Yes. All right. House in order. We are in uh, part two of this sermon series. And what we're looking at in this series is how do we put our house in order in terms of our time, our money, our relationships? We were drawing from a a story last week. There was a king, King Hezekiah, who uh, was on his deathbed. He had an infection and uh, he was dying. And one of the greatest and most important prophets ever came to him and said, Hezekiah, Here's my, here's, my, here's my word for you. Put your house in order, Hezekiah, because you're not going to get better. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is the end. Um, and what he was saying is, let's get our relationships in order. Let's get your family affairs in order. Let's get our spiritual life in order. Let's, the last bit of time that you have, let's make sure that that counts. And, uh, and so as we were looking at this passage, we started talking about the idea of why would we wait until the very end? To put our house in order. Why would we wait until the very last minute? What if we lived a life right now with our house in order? What if we began to prioritize our time, our money, and our relationships even right now in a way that would bring glory and honor to God? So um, I wanted to, today we're going we're gonna to be talking about time and, and our calendar and our schedule and how we put our house in order in that way. So I wanted to start with some math for you, all right? What I have here... Is a, is a bunch of pennies. Does anybody want to guess how many pennies are in this jar? Any guesses? How many? 200? Higher or lower? Higher. Okay. What do you think? Any, any higher guesses? A thousand? All right. That's getting close. That's getting close. Any other guesses? 1100? All right. This is, what is that show where you keep, yeah. Um, price is right. Yeah. One dollar. There are 960 pennies in this jar. 960 pennies. Um, Let me ask you something. If I gave you this jar and I said 960 pennies is what you have today. And and at the end of the day, that's all you get. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you another jar of 960 pennies. And with those 960 pennies... You have to buy everything that you need. You have to buy food. You have to buy clothing. You have to buy shelter. Your lease has to fit within 960 pennies a day, $9.60. You've got to buy food for your kids if you have kids. You've got to buy your books, your entertainment, your schooling. Everything that you want to do and everything that you need to do, you only have $9.60 a day to do it. And you don't get anything else. This is it. Only 960 a day. What I can guarantee you is that you would be very, very careful about how you spent these 960 pennies. You would be vigilant about how you, you would be trying to find ways to not waste those 960 pennies because that's all you get. You got to get rent, shelter, food, clothes, everything with $9.60 a day, right? Here's what I want to breakthrough for you today. Money is the currency of the marketplace, but time is the currency of your life. Every day you get 960 waking minutes, 960 waking minutes to do with what you will. Whatever you're going to do with those 960 waking minutes, that's all you get. Every single day. And then they're done. 
And that's assuming you get eight hours of sleep. Now, if you get seven hours of sleep, you get a few more pennies, okay? But all of us have just, just a, a, a small amount, a limited amount of time each and every day to do with it what we are called to do, what we are designed to do, what we are supposed to do, what we believe that God has called us to do, and it's a limited amount of time. Moses wrote a psalm, and uh, in this psalm, he said this. He said, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's not, is that not showing up on the screen? Oh, is it there? Oh, okay. Um, sure enough. That, uh, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And what he's saying, what Moses is saying in this psalm is, he's saying, God, help me to properly understand the time that I have so that I might live it out in a way that is meaningful, that is purposeful, that has impact, that is according to your design for me. Now, Moses, we know, spent about 40 years of his life in the, in the uh, palace in, in Egypt. And then he left the palace after he murdered an Egyptian. And then he spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness, watching his father's sheep, not really doing much of anything. 40 years. And finally, God called him to come down and set his people free. But Moses had a grasp of this, of this concept of saying, God, help me, Lord, to number my days so that I may have a heart of wisdom. Help me to number my days so that I can do the thing that you've called me to do, that I don't waste my life, that I make the most out of the 960 waking minutes that I have each day. Now, there are a number of truths that you and I all know about life and about time and about how quickly time goes by. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't even have to be a Christian to understand these universal truths. And one of them, and you can write these down in your notes, one of them is this. Time or life is fleeting. Life is fleeting. Life goes by like that. It just absolutely slips by us so quickly uh, that we, we look back often and say, how did that happen? When did that happen? Um, and if you don't believe me, I'm going to give you some examples. Uh, how many of you guys remember this band here? From Anybody recognize this band? This is, this is Nirvana. Uh, and I know just, it probably feels like just a few years ago, you were rocking out to this band, right? It was just like, just yesterday, you were listening and going, oh, yeah, these guys are so rebellious, right? That wasn't just yesterday. That was 29 years ago. Nirvana formed. Life is fleeting. What about this guy? This young, fresh-faced singer. Young guy. Just a young guy, right? Just yesterday, you had, you had the jacket. You had the zippers on the jacket. I know you did. You were trying the moonwalk on the linoleum floor of your mom's kitchen. I know you were. He would be 58 years old if he were alive today. Time is fleeting. It just goes by. Let me give you one, two more examples. This young face, this smiling, this is Jaden Smith. Do you guys remember him? Will Smith's son, just young kid, just a little guy, just a cute little guy, right? Look at him, so cute. He's got a mustache. That's facial hair, man. When did that happen, Jaden? Not cool. Last example. You guys remember Macaulay, right? Home Alone. 
everybody's favorite kid. Time is fleeting, man. Here he is. What happened, man? What happened, Macaulay? I'll tell you what happened, man. Life is fleeting. Life is fleeting. The psalmist says this, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. This is the this is the this is the length of my life. A handbreadth. And the span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone, he says, is but a breath. Even those who seem secure. That last line, that last line hits home because it says not only is life fleeting, but life is fragile. Even those who seem secure, it's gone. It's here. It's gone. It's but a breath. Even those who seem secure. There was a, a guy, um, a pastor down in Memphis that I connected with several, it's been maybe almost two years ago, uh, and on Twitter. I'd never met the guy live, but, you know, uh, he tweeted me, I guess. I just opened a Twitter account, and I have a rocking, you know, you know, 25 followers at this point, so that's good. Um, but, but uh, and, he, and he tweeted, and because he, he'd heard about U City Family Church, and U City Family Church was a lot like the church where he's a pastor, and, um, and so we tweeted back and forth, and just saying, hey, you know, let's, at some point, let's get together, we'll come down and visit you, and you guys come up and visit us. I think I've got a picture of him, uh, Michelle's name is Sam O. Everybody just called him Pastor O, and uh, he... You know, their church is, looks a lot like ours. It's, it's in Memphis. It's a, it's, a, it's a diverse church. It's a multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomic, multi-age kind of church where everybody kind of comes together, you know, despite the fact that it's in a city where that's not a common thing. And, and so we were just like, man, this is, we should connect. We should definitely connect, right? Uh, I was down in Memphis this week for a leadership conference, and I went and I was meeting with some pastors, and I said, hey, have any, do any of you guys know Pastor Sam O? Do you know him? And one of the pastors looked at me and he said, oh, you didn't, did you not hear? And I said, no, what, what, what? And he said, man, it was the strangest thing. Pastor Sam was doing a premarital counseling session with a couple. Uh, they were at Starbucks and they had this uh, session. And he walked out to his car, sat down in his car, buckled the, the car and leaned his head back. And that was it. He died. No one knew what happened. The autopsy reports came back. There was, no, they, there was no foul play. There was no toxicology. There was no, nothing that they could point to to say, what happened? And, uh, you know, it just shocked the church and shocked their family and shocked their friends because life is not just fleeting. It's fragile. This is a young man in his prime. No reason to believe that he wouldn't be around for the next 80 years. And he was just gone like that. I, I, when I came back this week, I, I was just sort of blown away because we had kept saying, hey, we should connect, you know, what's, and we just never did it. It just never happened. Uh, I went on his Twitter page today and I looked back. They still had it up. I looked back at one of the very last tweets that he put on there. And it was interesting. He, he quoted uh, Philippians 1, which says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh 
is more necessary on your account. There was, there was a sense, even in his last little moments, that life, what you do with your life matters. And that time is not yours. And that time moves on. And that you only have right now to do what God has called you to do and be who God has called you to be. It's right now. Time is fragile. Not only is it fleeting and fragile, but life is finite. Life is finite. There's a beginning, there's an end, and there's a span in between. Woody Allen was famous for saying, um, it's not that I'm afraid of death, it's just I don't want to be there when it happens. Uh, And I think that's kind of we all sort of feel that way. It's like, theoretically, it's, it's not that frightening. I just would rather it not happen to me. Um, Craig Wagner is a, one of our trustees here at the church, and he was a pastor for many years, and uh, he's away today preaching uh, at another church. So I like to take opportunities when he's gone to use sermon illustrations about him. Um, so he, he was a pastor for many years, and he tells the story that one day he was, uh, he was officiating the funeral. Of, of someone who had passed on and, uh, and they took the, after the funeral they went to the graveside and they pull up to the graveside and all the family had gathered at the graveside and all the friends had gathered at the graveside and the pallbearers came around to the back of the hearse to, to take uh, the, the casket from the hearse and the driver of the hearse discovered that he inadvertently locked the keys into the car into the hearse And so everyone is standing around the hearse and they can't unlock the door to get the deceased out of the car. Like literally everyone is standing there waiting to get in. And Craig Wagner um, said, does anybody have a a coat hanger? Somebody gave him a coat hanger. Craig Wagner was officiating. You know, he's the preacher. And he's over there. He tells the the guys, you know, the pallbearers, stand around behind me because this... I don't want a lot of people to see this. And he starts jimmying the door of the hearse to try to get the, the, the hearse unlocked. And one of the pallbearers leans over to the funeral director and said, isn't that the pastor? And uh, the funeral director leans back to the pallbearer and says, he wasn't always a pastor. Um, so <laughs> life is finite. It's going to happen uh, to all of us. Um, hopefully we don't get locked into our hearse. But here's how the psalmist says it. He says, The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. What we know about life is that it, it happens and it passes. And that's it. There is a finiteness to our life. So if these are truths that we all know, and there's nobody here that you, no matter where you come from or what your philosophical point of view is or what your beliefs are or what your um, you know, religion is, we all agree that, that life is fragile, life is fleeting, life is finite. Uh, so the question then becomes, what do we do? How do we order the days that we have? How do we spend these 960 pennies a day? How do we spend... How do we allocate the time of our life in such a way that it's meaningful and that it's purposeful and that it's not wasted and that we didn't just exist? Because God doesn't call us here, you know, just to just to pass the time. He calls us here for a purpose. He's not calling us here just to make a living. He's calling us here to make a difference. He's calling us to have a purpose in life and to live it out. So 
I'm going to give you today, just over the next few minutes, four elements, four principles um, about how to orchestrate and allocate your time as a, as a person who wants to make the most out of life. The Bible gives us some bedrock principles, and then I'll end it with just a, a basic spiritual uh, truth that sort of encapsulates it all. And the first one is this. Discover your purpose. Without knowing your purpose, without exploring and understanding why you are here, you will simply spin your wheels and waste inordinate amounts of time doing things that ultimately don't matter. Um, I don't know about you, but I hate wasting time. It's one of my pet peeves. I, I have a very, I don't know why, but I have a very strong sense of the importance of time. And I used to, many years ago, work as an attorney, and we would bill people by the quarter of the hour. If you've ever hired an attorney, you know that if you, you, know, if you send them an email, you're going to get hit for that. You're going to get a bill for that. Um, because, because they bill in, in, in increments of like 15 minutes. So I started to see my day in .25s and .5s and .75s and 1.5. Right, so if I would go get a cup of coffee, I'd be like, "That was two hundred bucks. I just blew right there. I just blew through two hundred bucks." So I started to see time as money because that's how it was sort of organized in my life. Now I don't see time as money. I see time as life. I see time as being this is my life, and if I'm blowing it or wasting it or spending it, uh, you know, uh, carelessly, I'm losing out on this limited resource, this limited currency that I've got. Because God is saying, look, the, the time that you get, that is what you get, and that's all you get. We had a, a problem today, or this week, with our computers. And if you ever have a computer that's buffering or that's slow, do you, do you ever have that where your computer is just, like, not working right? Anybody feel that pain with me today? Anybody? Yeah. Listen, man, I was in the office... I'm just going to unload for a second because this is coming. And the, the thing wasn't working. The internet wasn't working. The computer wasn't working quite right. And I literally had to stop and say a prayer and say, God, please, right now, just help me not to take a hammer and smash this computer into these little tiny parts, Lord. This is your computer, God. I mean, this actually belongs to the church, and that wouldn't be good if I'm breaking the equipment of the church. So, Lord, and, and Lord, the words that I feel like saying right now, help me to not say them, Lord. Or at least to say them quietly so that other people do not hear me say them, Lord. Just kind of help me, you know. It's just the wasting of time just was killing me. But the greatest waste of time is when we do not know our purpose. If we are living a life and we don't understand that God has us here for a purpose and we're just getting by, we're just, it's the biggest waste of time uh, that we can imagine. It's a waste of a very limited number of resources. The Apostle Paul, around 62 AD, he wrote this. Um, to the Ephesians. He said, For we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's saying, Look, you're not here just to get by. You're not here just to pass the time. You are here to fulfill the purpose that God prepared for you beforehand. And your purpose is to bring glory to Him in everything you do. To bring glory to God in everything you do and to enjoy him. And so when, when you're living your life, if you're thinking, am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I fulfilling my purpose? I'm going to break it down for you. This isn't in your notes, but you can write this down. It's a little purpose decision tree, and it goes like this. Does this thing that I'm doing right now bring glory to God? 
The way that I'm interacting with the person that I'm interacting with, my friend or my spouse or my colleague, is this bringing glory to God? The job that I'm doing or maybe the way that I'm doing it, right? So sometimes it's not about the particular job. It's just the way that you're doing it. You can, you can be sweeping floors and bring glory to God. You can, be, you can be digging ditches and bring glory to God. You can be shining shoes and bring glory to God. Because if you're d- giving it to God, if you're saying, God, this is yours. I'm doing this as unto you. You're bringing glory to him. So the question is, are you bringing glory to God in the things that you're doing, in the way that you're interacting? If yes, how can I do more of this? How can I be better at doing this? How can I be more efficient at doing this? If no, then how can I do less of it? How, this, this, is, this, this will get you on track in terms of fulfilling your purpose. Am I bringing glory to God? And if yes, I want to do more of it. And if no, man, I want to cut it out. Because we are made not to just be here on a ride. We are made to be here on a mission. We are, each one of us here, is here to fulfill our purpose. So we discover our purpose. And we're, you know, if you're here today and you're like, I have no idea what my purpose is. Part of our job as a church is to help orient you to that. To help... Uh, help you understand and discover that for yourself. In fact, that's the goal of our growth track. Our growth track is to help you discover your purpose. If you haven't been through our growth track, I invite you to come and be a part of that today because it's a four-week you know, uh, uh, session, four-week four session where we help you discover your purpose and live that out. So I invite you to do that. So when you discover your purpose, the next element is to make a plan. To make a plan. Um, this, is, this whole series, guys, is real basic meat and potato teachings about how to get your house in order, how to arrange your time, money, and relationships in such a way that you bring glory to God. So this is some real basic teaching, but I think it's so valuable if you get a hold of it. Make a plan. My, my dad used to have a, a little contraption on his desk. He was a pastor, and it had all these levers and wheels and pistons and pulleys on it, and it was called a do-nothing machine. Have you ever seen one of these? And man, it did a lot, but it actually didn't do anything. There, were a lot, there was a lot of movement. There were a lot of spinning. There were a lot of moving parts. It was very well designed. It was beautiful, actually. But it didn't ultimately do anything. That's our life if we don't know our purpose. We are making noise. We're moving. We're shaking. Things are happening. We're getting around. You know, but ultimately, it doesn't add up to anything. It doesn't, we don't land anywhere. We're not, we're not making it happen. The difference for you between a dream and a goal is a plan. The difference between a dream and a goal is a plan. Some of you feel like you know your purpose and you say, look, that's, that's what I want to achieve. That's where I want to go. That's what I want to get to, right? But that's just a pipe dream unless you put some, some planning to it and you figure out a way, some forethought about how you're going to arrive there. How are you going to get there? Proverbs 21 says this, the plans of the diligent lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. When you put a plan in place to fulfill your purpose, you increase your efficiency, you expand your influence, and you extend your reach. When you put a plan in place. A lot of us have a lot of... I'm not a great planner. I'm learning how to plan because I got a lot of enthusiasm. I like to just do. I like to just jump in and do. But when you do that without a plan, you limit the reach. You limit your, your ability. You limit your influence. In fact, Moses, who gave us that first quote from Psalm... When, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, they were sort of in the wilderness. And his father-in-law, Jethro, came to him and said, man, it's just amazing what God is doing. You know, your leadership is incredible. It's just wild what God's doing in your life. 
And uh, Moses said, yeah, it's just it's been great. And the next day they they sit outside and, and Moses is there as the leader. And he's hearing all of the disputes and all of the problems and all of the challenges among all of the people of Israel. They all came to him. He was the judge. And his father-in-law, Jethro, watched him for one day. And at the end of the day, he said, man, can I tell you something? He's like, you're not doing this right. You're wearing yourself out and you're wearing everybody else out because you're trying to do everything at once. He said, here's what you need to do. You need to get some good leaders in, your, in this group and you delegate out some tasks in groups of thousands and hundreds and you know, 50s and 10s and, and get this mapped out so that you're not carrying the load, right? Make a plan, Moses. Jethro is saying, Moses, make a plan so you can extend your reach, you can extend your influence. Some of us need to do that. We need to literally sit down with a pen and a pad and go, all right, I need a plan for my financial life. I need to work. I need to plan this out because I'm just we're just flying by the seat of our pants, you know, or I need a plan in my relationship. I need a plan to to navigate a better way to spend time with my family or time with my spouse or time with my significant other. We need to create a plan or your career. Just stop. Let's just stop and make a plan and just you know, if we want to put our house in order, we've got to put it down on paper. So that's step two is make a plan. Number three is prepare. Prepare. This is after the plan. We actually take action and begin preparing for fulfilling our purpose. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, if, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend four hours sharpening the axe. Right? We start to prepare. We put things in order. Um, we, at that church that we visited, Life Church, down in Memphis, uh, preparedness is like one of their core leadership qualities. And they're always telling everybody, always be prepared to do anything, to serve anywhere, to pop in, to jump in, and be ready to go. In fact, they tell all their, their pastors, they have multiple campuses and multiple pastors, and they say, hey, you know, you may just get the microphone. Somebody just may hand you the microphone. Uh, if it's going to be time for a scripture reading or time for an offering or time, I may just call your name. You've you got to be ready to come. And, and the leader of the, the executive pastor was telling us all this. And that night we went to a, a training session. Um, there were a bunch of people at this training session. And he's training everybody and doing all this. And then he says, oh, we have a special visitor here today. Uh, a couple special visitors are here. Uh, Bob Wood was there with me. He said, and then uh, Pastor Brent is here. And uh, he knew my dad. And he, so he you know, was introducing. And he said, Pastor, why don't you just come on up and, uh, and greet us today and have a few words for us. It was like, on my way up, I'm like, all right, let me think of something to say. I got about four more steps. And boom, there's the microphone. And we're up and we're ready to go. Um, but God is calling us always to be prepared, to be alert. What are the things that you need to be doing right now, right now to prepare for the future events that God has for you? I love this proverb. It says this, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and then after that, build your house. The proverb is saying, you know, know what you're going to do. Know what you're going to, you're going to, you got your purpose, right? Then you got your plan. You, you've blueprinted it out. Then go get your stuff and get it all laid out, right? And put it on outside and get ready. And then you're going to build your house. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself today. What current action do you need to take in order to, to accomplish your future purpose? You know the answers to these questions. What current action do you need to take in order to accomplish 
your future purpose? Is it school? Is it spending more time with your family? Is it spending more time in the Word? Is it spending more time in prayer? What things do you need to ramp up and what things do you need to get rid of in order to prepare yourself for the purpose that God has designed you? And then the fourth step is this, perform. And this doesn't mean put on a show. This means do the thing that you're called to do. Do the thing. Sometimes we spend a lot of time thinking about, praying about, preparing for, planning for, and then there's that last step of like, all right, I'm going to step out and do it. It's time to do it. There was a a nurse named Bonnie Ware. Uh, She was a, a palliative care nurse, so she was looking at after people in the last 12 weeks of their life. Uh, she was an Australian nurse, and she began over years and years to record their regrets. She would ask people, what, what in your life do you regret the most? And um, she said that they were, there was just a, a, a common thread, and she wrote a book actually called the, the, uh, the Top Five Regrets of the Dying or something like that. Um, but the number one regret that just kept coming up over and over is this. People said, I wish that I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. In other words, people through so many people in those last days said, I really wish I, I knew what my purpose was. I had a plan. I was prepared. I just I couldn't I couldn't take that step. I was too afraid to take that step. I was too afraid to step out into what God had for me. I believe God is calling each and every one of us today to have the courage, to have the strength, to take those steps into what God has for us, to not be afraid. He's with us every step of the way. We have 960 minutes a day. How do we step out and live out the life that God has called for us. In, in 2013, and I'm going to close here, uh, there was a man named Danny Ludeman. Some of you may have heard of him. He was the CEO of Wells Fargo Advisors in St. Louis. Fifteen years he had served in that role. Major figure in, uh, at Wells Fargo. Major executive. Powerful, powerful guy. And he had been in his heart for years thinking about that God had something else for him to do. And in 2013, he stepped out and he said, I want to do, in fact, he was quoted as saying this. He said, I want to spend 100% of my time helping other people. This is a major player in St. Louis, a major figure in St. Louis. He said, I want to spend 100% of my time helping other people. He stepped down from his role as CEO of, of Wells Fargo Advisors. And he is launching an initiative to help people that have been incarcerated come out of incarceration and get mental health, to get a job, to get housing, to get food, to get training, to get on their feet. He's just, he's now he's getting his, his Master's of Divinity at Covenant Seminary. He's just pouring his life into this. And here's what he said. I love this quote when he was interviewed. He said, this is my retirement plan. My retirement plan is to learn to love God with all my heart and soul and learn to love my neighbor as myself. He said, basically, what I discovered over the course of time is that I need to give my life. I need to give my pennies. I need to give my limited amount of time to God and say, God, help me to order my days that I might have a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. Let me know how precious life is. 
Let me know how fleeting it is. Let me know how fragile and finite it is. Let me know how brief it is, Lord, so that I can live out the life that you have called me to live. And let me do it now. Let me have the courage to step out and make it happen even right now. Now, does this mean for you that we should all quit our jobs and go start nonprofit agencies? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that we should commit our time to God. Commit our time to God and say, God, how can I live a life that will bring that will bring you glory and bring me purpose and meaning? How can I live that life? And we may err from time to time on, you know, we start we start tracking too fast. And now we're we're missing out on family time or we're missing out on church or we're missing out on social engagement or missing out on friendship. And we have to be careful not to not to go crazy. Right. But the Bible gives us, and and we're not going to go exploring it deep today, but we'll get back to it. The Bible gives us a sort of overarching truth about how to live our life, and it's this. Base your daily routine on God's eternal rhythm. Base your daily routine on God's eternal rhythm. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under heaven. Time and a purpose for everything under heaven. It doesn't mean that, you know, we have to be running full speed all the time. In fact, God only gives us two commandments, two commandments about how to spend our days. One is, he says, take a Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, make it holy. Take a t- make sure that there is time where you're not doing anything, where you're worshiping or you're spending time with family, you're resting, you're enjoying, you're recharging, you're rejuvenating. And then he says, six days work. Do, the, do with all your might as unto the Lord. Get out there and just work and do, do the things that God has called you to do. Get into his rhythm. Get into his pattern. Because we have 960 minutes a day. Here's what I want to give you an opportunity uh, to, to do in your connection card. There's a, little, there's a little part at the bottom. If you've got a pen, pull out your pen. And begin to think about, or maybe even write down here, on that first line, what is something that I need to add to my life that's not there right now? What's something I need to add to my life that isn't there right now? Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not praying. Maybe I'm not spending any time in the Word. Maybe I'm not, you know, serving, and I need to do that. Maybe I'm not, you know, connecting with the people that I need to connect with, and I want to add that to my life. The next one is, what's something that I need to get rid of? Something that's just cluttering up the the, the schedule, something that's cluttering up the calendar. How do I, can I just get rid of, can I just chuck some stuff overboard? Can I just take that computer and just throw it right out the window onto Delmar Boulevard? How do I, how do I get, how do I get some stuff out of my life that needs to be gone, right? And then the next line is, what can, what do I need to do more of? There's some stuff that I'm, I'm already doing. Maybe it's spending a little more time with your friends. Maybe it's spending a little more time with family. Maybe it's ramping up your service in your community or ramping up your service at church or, you know, reading more. Whatever that is, you know what this is. What can I do a little more of that would bring glory to God and honor Him and, and, and would, would shine His light to other people? And then what's something I need to pull back on? Maybe I'm not going to stop it completely, you know, but maybe I won't post 14,000 times a day in Facebook. You know, maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll just do a little less of that, right? Maybe I'll spend a little less time on that, right? Because God is calling each and, on, each and every one of us to number our days that we might have a heart of wisdom, 
that we might live out the life that he has called us to live. We have 960 minutes per day. What are you going to do with the time that you have? Because time is the currency of life. Time is the currency of life. So let's make the most of our time. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's challenging. It's inspiring. It's encouraging. But God, ultimately, we, we look to you and we say, Lord, we, we know we have a limited amount of time here on this earth, each and every one of us. We don't like to think about that a lot. We don't like to contemplate that a lot. But we know it's true. It's just a reality. And so, God, we ask that you help us to number our days rightly. Help us to have a perspective about the time that we have so that we might have hearts of wisdom, that we might live out a life that is meaningful, that's powerful, that's purposeful, that brings glory to you, that brings honor to you, that we get rid of those things in our life that are are pulling us away from our purpose and that we step into those things, Lord God, that you've called us to do and you've called us to be and we know what those are. We ask that your Holy Spirit lead us, Father. Lead us and guide us. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Give us courage. Lord, help us to reach out to one another. Help us to surround ourselves with brothers and sisters who will encourage us in the faith, who will encourage us to walk out the life that you've called us to lead. Help us to surround ourselves with people who are doing the kinds of things that we want to do, people that we can look to and say, how did you do that? How did you accomplish that? How did, what steps did you take? Help us, Lord, to order our days like Moses, to number our days, to know how brief and fragile and finite life is that we can live out the life that you've called us to with a heart full of wisdom. Father, we turn this over to you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.